Hi, everybody. Welcome back to episode 11 of The Everyday Hair Colorist. Today, I have a really special guest for you. It's the digital beauty editor for LUK, George Driver. Welcome, George. Hello. I'm so thrilled to have you on this podcast. This podcast has mainly been hair colorists mm. and occasionally a couple of hairdressers. But one of the things that we've we've spoken about all the way through this series is communication. How do you communicate with clients? How do you engage with clients? Mm -hmm. And we talk about trends and those things. So I'd really like to sort of delve in deep <laughs> with you, being, being the digital expert that you are. Oh, goodness. Um, and talk all things digital, all things trends. Cool. Let's start off with how do you spot a trend? It's, it's I mean, I think whenever I speak to hairstylists or hair colorists, they're always kind of offended by the word trend and they hate us asking and us evil beauty journalists sort of saying, what are the latest trends and what's changed this season? But I think for us, you know, although we know there are ongoing trends in colour and cut and style, for us, it's our job to kind of report on any of those tweaks or changes or slight, even like minor things. So then, you know, by next season or next year, that's what you might have changed to what you know, your hair colour, you might have just tweaked it slightly or put a different hair accessory on or something. We're sort of the annoying people that harass you first. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it for my job, like backstage at Fashion Week is kind of where I'm always like beadily eyed, like kind of paying, you know, trying to seek out if there's like even tiny changes so like are we kind of doing a ponytail and leaving a piece of hair over your ear like that like a loop is that kind of the new way to wear it um something you might not have heard of before or is it kind of you know a colorist backstage that's mixed up this new muted color or even just it could be a color we've seen before but they've just named it something you've never heard it's something you know, I'm always looking for things that I could write a story about that I feel like in the three years I've been on Elle's website, we've not done a story on it. So, you know, even if, like, I remember a couple of seasons ago, there was, I think it was at Alexander Wang, like, angry pink. I mean, we've all seen pink hair before, but we haven't called it angry pink. And angry pink right. is quite fun. <clears throat> um, so there's kind of that more, I suppose, fashion-led trends that are a bit you know sillier and not necessarily as applicable um but make a great story and they're kind of aspirational and really visually exciting well i think it's visually exciting isn't it but it's also the story that communicates with the audience mm. and your audience would be the consumer the same as mm. my audience yeah. is the consumer and the language that we speak we know that if it gets too technical and boring mm. it turns it turns the consumer off and so it's a, it's an exciting language that captivates someone yeah. isn't it that's what we're trying to do yeah it's sort of reframing something in a new way that they might not have seen before or they've been thinking about it um but they're not sure kind of you know you've been thinking about doing pastel hair but you're not sure which color is feels kind of right at the moment um i think for us we always kind of our hair content if you will air quotes um kind of splits down the middle so it's that kind of half aspirational exciting language that there's a story behind it and then half is almost the complete opposite and it's service and it's tips and it's really breaking down 
what you might be a bit bamboozled by in the hairdressers into kind of normal language. So before they go, they can know what they're asking for. So, I mean, I've, that's, I've spoken to you in the past about balayage for our piece on that, which is massive, because balayage is one of those words where you're like, huh, what is that? And then, you know, we've broken down what it actually is so they can Google it. And then if they like it, they can go to you in real life and ask for it, confidently knowing what they're actually getting instead of hoping for the best when they're there. I love that. I, there are two things I love in that. The, bam, the bamboozled by hairdressers, which I think we're going to talk about that yeah. in a minute. And I love, I love the, the balayage thing. When I teach a class anywhere mm. in the world, I always say, if you put arge at the end of anything, it's going to do really well in the press. <laughs> Oh, and it's so basic. Still, it's, no, no, but I think that it's balayage is sort of exciting to people mm. still, isn't it, really? So if you put arge at the end of it. Yeah. The other thing I noticed was that um, trends come and go really quickly and really rapidly, and I can get lost on not being informed unless I follow people like yourself mm. on Instagram, and then I'm listening to a language that's being communicated to the consumer so that then when the consumer comes to me, I'm aware of mm. that language and can then put my spin on that through there. But talk about bamboozled. What oh. does, do, you th- do you think hairdressers bamboozle clients? I don't think hairdressers specifically bamboozle clients ne- or deliberately, but you've got to think about it. Yeah. If I had a chat with you and you said, George, what do you do on the website? And I started talking about SEO and all of this technical stuff because it's exactly. what makes sense to me. You'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Whereas for me... I'd probably know, be asleep. Oh, rude. <laughs> I'd probably thought, no, not because of you, but no, the, as soon as it gets be. technical, I, I turn off, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. But also, to me, it sounds like normal words. And to you, you're like, this is a different language, not to insult your knowledge of digital. But so going into a hairdresser's, you might not intend to bamboozle a client, but saying you know balayage or things that are everyday language for you are complete foreign things so now as a gloss a glaze a you know or kind of things like that a treatment you know you're sort of like oh god and when you tie that into maybe being in a salon for the first time so it's an kind of unknown environment maybe you're mm. making a big hair change so you're feeling a bit nervous or vulnerable anyway and then also you've maybe saved money for months for this treat for yourself add that into not exactly knowing what you're getting and it's one big I have no idea what's going on experience (laughs) yeah absolutely I think one of the things I'm always trying to convey in education is that we as an industry need to communicate in simpler Mm. terms and language that consumers understand so for me I always talk about things like food about texture mm. and makeup terms are another one that work really well for women. They seem to understand that better yeah. rather than getting carried away with the, you know, the, the, the language yeah. of hair dressing more a language that a consumer understands well yeah i think you're spot on there because another thing i was going to say about trends especially color trends is we do a lot of stories so we have a you know just a blonde trend story and a lot of the ones that turn up in that are kind of food based because they sound whimsical and delightful and lovely and look amazing on instagram but also if you say mushroom blonde to someone you've kind of immediately got that idea of what shade you mean. It's that kind of off, ashy, blonde mushroom. Like, that's a reference you can immediately understand rather than, yes. kind of like you said, like a kind of specific term. So we do also do kind of maybe sillier stories, but um, around kind of, yeah, food-inspired 
um, hair colour trends for sure. I think the, the food one is a great one. Mm. Wheat, biscuit, yeah. espresso, all those things. People can see it yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think unfortunately maybe the age old box hair dyes have slightly uh, ruined the food descriptions for us, which is a shame, <laughs> but because they are so handy. Um, but yes, no, I totally agree. I used one in my classroom that was like this internet mm. sensation for like 24 hours. And that was Tiger Eye. And I was like, what the hell is Tiger Ooh. Eye? And it turned out it was the stone rather than a tiger's eye. And it was basically a glaze over some, a gloss oh. over someone's hair. But I just thought it was a really clever piece of, of journalism and marketing because, it, again, it was a fascinating mm. thing to look at. So, George, if a hairdresser had a story mm. that they wanted to talk to, something that they were finding really interesting or they thought was new, what would you mm. be... First of all, are you open to people connecting with you to talk about hair and hair stories and then second of all what would your expectation be oh yeah like always open to hearing about stories I just think it needs to feel like a kind of authentically exciting story obviously I know you know on a lot of colorists there's a pressure if they're associated with salons or brands to kind of come up with you know press releases and information and sometimes those are great but sometimes they do feel a bit like they've kind of corporate work to a bit corporate or they've worked to kind of trend around a product that maybe the brand they're affiliated or salon they're affiliated with is pushing and I think that's why a lot of the time it I would kind of go and find one that I was seeing on Instagram or backstage or just or I kept seeing in real life or something I think and then I would then ask for sort of expert opinion or if I'd seen it on a pro's Instagram account I would go to them to talk about the you know how they came up with the idea or I'd just see it on a few different accounts and maybe I'd just put it together as a trend like someone might not have called it anything and I'd decide <laughs> it's a thing that I'm seeing and from Elle's perspective this colour seems to be turning up but no one's really coined a term for it yet right um but yeah like hair for us is absolutely massive it is way bigger than makeup for our kind of content online because I think there is that service element um and so I'm always looking for another one like another new niche way to spin something but it needs to feel not like you're fooling the reader. I don't ever want to write something that is so like exaggerated or kind of not, you know, or tenuous that our reader would be disappointed if they clicked into a piece. Right. You know, it wants to be as satisfying once you look at it. And you could be like, I mean, mushroom hair is probably not that exciting, but we did like a um, frosted coconut or something like that I don't know that sounds really like oh what's that and then when you see it you're like actually that is something very different um, we, I never really want to run something that feels like so micro a change like so let's say balayage again like there has been different versions of balayage or kind of micro trends within that that we would possibly run if they felt different or interesting enough but sometimes it gets so small that it feels like you're sort of duping the reader into believing it's different. And actually that's doing the opposite of helping them understand the language around hair because you're giving them so many new terms, they're not sure which one's which. So and it's a hard it's a hard path to walk then, isn't yeah. it, really, for yeah. you? Because I don't want to annoy someone. If I'm annoyed by it, then our reader's going to be annoyed by it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. I, I do like the fact that digital changed the conversation for so many things. But as far as hair, it it became, it made hair to me exciting again, rather mm. than, you know, a half head, a full head, a tint or whatever. And mm. we were just talking with a New Yorker who who was talking about a photo finish and that was her glazing services were called a photo finish, which I just thought was really clever. Yeah, I think sometimes actually rewording something that sounds maybe a bit more kind of Instagram friendly or a bit more of a trend can actually be really useful because saying a photo finish is something someone immediately gets like, oh, it's a glaze and it's going to make my hair much more shiny. Like sort of saying that as a finishing tip or even you know something that feels kind of a relatable process that people are already doing in other parts of their lives or like when everybody jumped on the sort of hair primer um bandwagon and you kind of got it that it was like the first step of your makeup is the primer and it's a base for your foundation when everyone in hair started doing that you got that terminology because you were already doing it digital is so fast paced that it can be a conversation of a moment and then the next day it could have moved on or 48 hours later it goes on to something else, Mm. which I think is difficult for some people because they're not necessarily sort of so engaged. But I think it's quite exciting to have fresh perspectives and different ideas about the same thing because you can't reinvent hair colour. You know, it is, Mm. there are 10 levels and, you know, you can do all sorts of different things. But the the language that you use is can make it more exciting or not exciting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would disagree. I think you kind of can reinvent hair colour because obviously from your point of view, you're thinking of a technical point of view, but from my point of view, like, um, like you know, the Billie Eilish root pop, like that was something from last year that nobody's done before, really. Like, mm. you know, if you look through sort of fashion history, you've never seen someone in the major spotlight have lime green roots and I know kind of a few other salons had already been doing that kind of look um you know popping up every now and then kind of the more niche ones or London-based kind of color ones but otherwise like that as a major trend I hadn't like I hadn't and people hadn't seen that before and now that's something that's filtered down and people will get instead of a dip dye um so I think sometimes things do come along that you're like oh cool I actually hadn't seen that and I mean, you must see colour innovation all the time and things that we weren't able to do before. You know, I know it's obviously really kind of out there and possibly not applicable to real life, but the colour-changing hair dye that changes colour depending on the heat when you blow-dry it, um, you know, that kind of thing isn't necessarily real life. But it is exciting to see that those things could become real life. You know, doing your kind of going in for bright pink hair wasn't real life 10 years ago. So, no, it's perfectly normal now, isn't it? Exactly. But I do think um, there's something about like the language when you go in and ask for colour, especially. I think, like you said, having the foods is really helpful. But like my hair colour, depending on what your perspective of it is could be entirely different like it's either copper orange auburn red and I'm always I mean that's why I sort of repeatedly went to you at first when I got this hair color because you kind of got what I meant but other places now I'm terrified to go because you say the wrong word and I end up looking like a pillar box yes so... <laughs> yes 
Now, you've certainly had a hair journey, haven't you? I mean, you're, you're, you, <laughs> you are. You are one of those yeah. magical people mm. that actually is game for change. Oh, I am too game. <laughs> I'm too game. I need to be stopped. Like, I, I'm so game I've had to cut off half my hair. Like, you know, don't bleach one half of your hair. It dies. But I've ticked that box, so now I don't have to do it again. But I'm like... I'm getting the itch. Are you? Like, something's... Yeah, I mean... So for the audience who don't know you, I just wanted to tell them. So (laughs) George ended up having half her hair copper and half of it bleach blonde. Yeah. And that was her look (laughs) for a while, wasn't it? And and you loved it and you rocked it. You wrote an article about it as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. No, I loved it. I, I really did. I had had the same hair colour for years and I was getting big hair dye FOMO um, and just, I don't know where that idea came from and I just decided I was going to do that. And the colourist's face when I sat down and he thought he was just going to do a root top up and then I told him that, uh, yeah, which was amazing. But um, I just, I think also, I think, I mean, great lesson to learn. I'm. This is the thing, like, I do beauty as part of my everyday job but I'm still trying things because it educates my perspective as well mm. and things like I've been colouring my hair copper for so long that's actually relatively nice to it it's kind of not damaging I get regular trims whatever and then bleaching half my hair actually did teach me about the perspective of how to care for bleached hair much more in depth the damage yes. it does and also kind of in your own life the maintenance it takes and the dedication you need to do it so now if I speak to someone about getting their hair bleached those are things that I would put into my writing about it being like bear in mind you need to be committed to this I am not a high maintenance person by nature so I suddenly found myself with a seven step routine that I hated doing (laughs) Um, but needed to do needed to do and I can already feel like probably in the next couple of years I'm going to bleach it all but um I'm going to try and hold off for a while. But I do think it's things like that's why I'm, I'm partly game because I think it's fun, but also I'm game because I think you have to try these things to be able to write about them better, um, which is why, like, I try all different sort of, you know, makeup and whatever. I don't... I mean, other very chic people have a signature look and I'm just, like, the kid in the corner playing with all the paints and putting them on me. But I do think it helps my perspective as someone who's meant to be advising about things to have some knowledge of doing it. I'm, I'm your caution case. You're very <laughs> chic and you always have a strong lip. <laughs> and I do have a strong lip. It's very distracting. It's very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, George, we are in very difficult times at the moment, mm. as you know. Um, it's difficult for everybody And there's been a lot of controversy online about people doing their hair colour at home. Mm. And there's been, within the hairdressing industry, there's this sort of, this desire, obviously, for people not to do the hair colour at home. But I understand that from a a business perspective and also from so many things can go wrong at home. But also I feel like in this world that's turned upside down, when you look in the mirror, you'd like to have some control over what you're seeing. And there's a normalcy. If you have your roots done all the time, there's a normalcy to it. Where, where do you sit in your conversation to your audience mm. at the moment about things like that? 
Yeah, I think it's, it is a tricky one because obviously, you know, you guys are the pros and there's a reason that your industry exists. It is an art form and a skill. You're not just like having a whack at it and hoping for the best. You know, you're, ext- <laughs> but you know, what I mean, you're extremely skilled yeah. um, experts <clears throat> in your field. It, it would be kind of like any industry in that way. So it's, it's tricky because you don't want to sort of say, I'll oh, just do it yourself. It'll be exactly the same, but equally you have to acknowledge times and also you have to acknowledge that a lot of people don't go to a hair salon to get their hair coloured. You know, the, the yes, box style... the majority of people who colour their hair don't no, go to the salon. precisely. Like, my mum has literally box dyed her hair for her entire life. Like, or my sister goes to a woman that comes to her house, there's sort of varying degrees of it and there's a mm. reason the box dye product line you know industry exists because it's serving a need and i think it would be a bit remiss to ignore like the kind of social implications of assuming that we're all going to the salon to spend a couple of hundred quid every six weeks because that's just not the case or possible for a lot of women so i think from our point of view bearing in mind kind of the people that are already dying their hair themselves as well as kind of the times at the moment where that's possibly you know it's going to have to be a necessity if you if your priority is still to color your hair while you're working from home or on lockdown that might not be for everyone other people might be like screw it i'll let it grow out let's see but if, if like you said you know, you want to take that control and you still want to take pride in your appearance and you've still got those Zoom work meetings, then I think, you know, it's up to us to provide that information and not censor people, but provide it responsibly. And we have a piece that I kind of basically updated this week for the website, which is how to dye your hair at home, but it's entirely guided by a colourist. It's, you know, it's saying step by step, like, what should you bear in mind what do you need before it mentions patch tests it basically says that's very good because you don't always hear that in the beauty price that's fantastic yeah definitely like it needs to be responsible advice but also like responsible because you want people to know kind of what you guys do as far as your jobs but also responsible towards your reader because i don't want someone hitting me up on instagram saying i did what you advised and it all went wrong and i'm allergic to it so Mm, you know a lot of a lot of the online beauty uh journalism game is protecting yourself and the brand against possible kind of you know negative commentary and that doesn't mean just deleting comments it means making sure what you're advising or what you're writing is infallible to an extent you know have you considered all angles because we will Mm. get taken down if you don't and it's so easy to get taken down and it's not fun i i kind of feel that i understand even in myself i wonder what i will look like in 12 weeks no haircut no bleach (laughs) no 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 ear waxing no eyebrow waxing no manicure no pedicure of course i'm going to attempt to do half these things myself exactly because i don't really my my mood is gauged gauged by how i look and how i Mm. feel and i think that for my clients who are concerned about their hair their roots obviously i don't know how you would highlight your hair at home and I'm talking, mm. you know, sprays and things like that, or maybe semi-permanents just to kind of blend it in for a while. And for the root tint clients, I'm kind of trying to help them maybe do their hairline and their parting. So the visible pieces. Yeah. 
uh, as just softer for them in this moment because, you know, it's pretty shit out there mm. for people. It's, it's really difficult. And beauty is one of those things that can make you feel really good about yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's so good of you to kind of get in touch with your clients and give them that guidance. I think that's what we need to be talking about. It's not saying don't try it at all because you're taking that choice away from someone. It's saying, I'm here to give you the information on how you can do this better because that person dyeing their hair doesn't want to look like an idiot after an hour either. So no. the point is to feel good here, not to feel like you've made it worse. So I think kind of, you know, colorists like yourself advising people on how to do it better and not feeling worried that that will empower them to do it themselves forever. They're still going to come back to you because people go to a hair salon for more than just hair dye. Absolutely. They go for the experience. They go for the fact that you're blending the colours, that you're mixing those things. You're not going to be able to do all that at home. And doing it at home is a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. And it still takes a couple of hours. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? No, definitely. And so, and also, it it's not that indulgence that a lot of people like to frame having their hair done as. And also, no. they're not going to suddenly be so qualified they don't need you anymore. If anything, I think when they come to you, you'll have a better conversation because they'll understand the work you put in and they'll understand what you're doing more. Like we said before, they'll be even less bamboozled and even more willing to let you do your job because they have a bit more understanding of what it takes to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we need to be supportive of as many people as we possibly can at the moment Mm. rather than just telling people, no, don't do that. You know, I think no, don't go out is fair enough (laughs) and it's valid. But I think the rest of it, it's like, we're all going to have to make choices about how we do it. I'm looking up sugar waxing for, to see if I can do a sugar wax. But that's the thing. So if you're, if you're, wax you know beauty therapist said to you don't do it at all would you just let things go because you'd been told off like no but what might be helpful is if you got advice on how to do it better i'll let you know in a post (laughs) looking forward to it really excited to hear about jack's earwax how it went (laughs) (laughs) love it Right, George, I know things are difficult out there, but obviously spring and summer are coming. Mm -hmm. What kind of trends are you seeing or have you seen out there that you think are going to be big? And what what trends were big in the fall and the winter that surprised you? Oh, God, I feel like you put me on the spot. Um, the, The return of the noughties sections... These, the tendrils in updos. Yes, the big... Yeah, the front tendrils are back and everyone's doing it. And actually, I saw it the other day. And this is how much trends can infiltrate your brain and what you previously thought were awful when I was like 13 and doing it and loved it, then thought was awful. I saw a photo of someone the other day and thought, oh, that's very flattering on her face, isn't it? Maybe I should do tendrils. And now I've become like a an absolute consumer of my own doing. Like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So now, yeah, I think the naughty's tendrils, the Bella Hadid trendles, uh, tendrils are definitely something that I think everyone was a bit like, okay, and now everyone loves it all over again. And everyone wants it. Yeah. For sure. I think people don't know it yet, but I think it actually might be a next summer thing. You know, when like kind of when it reaches everyone, I think it's not going to be this summer, partly because who knows if we'll even be outside to see each other. So who cares about tendrils? But I reckon 2021, the full 
noughties revamp is going to be tendrils everywhere definitely um and then what else i'm trying to think um well i'll let you have a space to think because that whole tendril thing also comes into that high impact light pieces at the front that have gone really chunky yes in there as well oh yeah and it sort of ties into it doesn't it so it's no longer just a little soft face frame it's a big big streak. oh yeah the, the j-lo chunky blonde highlight is big yeah and massive and also i think weirdly a kind of really strong return to that noughties it's not just the look but it's like the attitude of this a celebrity wears it and now we have to have it which i feel like we sort of left for a while everyone was a bit like i don't care if it's on a celebrity whatever i'll do my own thing and now j-lo wears the chunky highlights and we're like well maybe if j-lo's wearing chunky highlights maybe i'm getting them again but we do all know that if j-lo wears it she is the queen anyway so i know know, i know she's amazing yeah i mean if j-lo if she did anything i'd do it It, like anything (laughs) at all it does you don't even have to ask me what i'd just be like yes let's do it (laughs) and what do you think is coming along i don't know how kind of uh realistic it is but what i was kind of talking to my fellow beauty journalist gals um about the other day was kind of what we saw in february on the runways was this kind of alternative way of coloring hair so at alexander mcqueen they had these dyed red pieces of it kind of i suppose extension pieces that they sort of smoothed around into a kind of high shine wet look updo super sleek beehive and it kind of streaked red through all of the model's hair but i just thought it was a really interesting way of kind of introducing color into an updo in a really temporary way like it's not highlights it's sort of just clipping in your extra hair but it really melded with the shape of it um and it was quite like grungy and it was bright red and quite kind of angry looking and not very chic but done in a very kind of classic french way that's um, twice you've said the... angry in this podcast what do you think it is i think it... do you like the word no i think it's just it's sort of that take on kind of punk isn't it it's like that boldness yeah. of color and it's introduced in quite an unexpected way in an unexpected scenario you know in kind of high fashion very beautiful floral gowns and in a classic updo and you've got quite a like a shock of red and it's this like jarring kind of yeah I mean it's probably not angry but I feel like it just has that boldness about it that kind of um Mm. defiance I suppose um and then the other thing um that kind of similar in a way the other way um was at Dries Van Noten and Sam McKnight pasted in feathers into all the models' hairlines and kind of gelled them in. Sorry, Sam, if you didn't gel them. I don't know what product you specifically used, but kind of, you know, combed them into hairlines. So they looked like a Billie Eilish-style root pop, but it was actually all these different feathers that had been combed in. Again, for that sort of temporary kind of textured take on, like, a really bright pop of colour that was really, like... I've never seen that before. I've never seen a feather kind of used as a form of hair colour, basically, rather than for its texture. And pretty as well. Yeah, extremely pretty. But pretty, but not in that kind of whimsical, ethereal, feminine way that feathers normally are. It was kind of using them to create this kind of much stronger, bolder, quite 
kind of androgynous hair um and then had it had really strong makeup with it and it wasn't kind of understated or muted it was really like in your face um so i really yeah and i think that is massively off the back of the billy eilish root pop hype um mm. but it'll be interesting to see kind of in, normally we see a lot at fashion week kind of those lovely wafty pastels that feel very soft and um kind of cloud-like and they normally that kind of complement the collection a lot and this felt much more like brash and not very almost almost bad taste you know that's what i mean kind of about the red at mcqueen it was almost that bright red that you know seen kids wore in 2007 and stripy socks it was not an you know a maroon or a claret or something it was really garish because I, I always giggle, uh, no offence, <laughs> I always giggle when it's like, oh, you know, what did you see at Fashion mm. Week? And it's like another low-slung pony, I Don't. always feel it like. So the, Don't even the... talk to me about the Fashion Week ponytails. I won't rip up, I just can't. I can't see another one, Jack. I don't think any of us can, really, <laughs> even though it's beautifully done. Yes. I, but I think that there are those magical moments, again, where you see things, like you were just talking about, that really kind of go, ah, oh, now that really is a story, mm. isn't it? It's a beautiful story. And I think that everything's been so glossy and safe, really, including even the vivids. It's all quite glossy and safe. And mm. I think it's quite nice to be challenged, your eye to be challenged by something. I mean, you know, I looked at Billy Irish and I'm like, what's going on there? And then you sort of look at it and you're like, oh, mm. and, you know, you sort of play around with it and you get used to it as well, of course. And I, I just think it's nice to have yeah. someone throw a curveball in your way and make you re-examine your thought process. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, I am not claiming to be any sort of Billie Eilish at all. But when I had half of my hair bleached, people didn't know what to do with it. People literally would talk to me and look at one half of my head and then the other half of my head because they weren't sure how to take it. And when I dyed it all back in the same colour, all copper, so many people said to me, oh, I'm so glad you've dyed it back. I just didn't really know what to do with that. And it's not whether they liked it or not so much. They just didn't know how to process it while they were talking to me. And actually having one head of like all the same hair colour made their lives a lot easier because they didn't even have to consider it. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was silly, but the it was quite... Um, I suppose it was nicer not having to disconcert people, but then also it was quite fun knowing that just dyeing half your hair really gets people. So, and definitely a lot of people did stare at me. Like, a child a child pointed at me in the street. So, um, you have to be able to, to take it a bit. But it is, it's a fun game, definitely. And that article's online, isn't it? It is online, yes. It's online at all best retailers. No, it's online at um, l.com forward slash UK. And it's called The Rebellious Streak, uh, all about me making bad hair decisions. Go read it now. <laughs> I don't think they were bad hair decisions. I think they were some, some of that was quite, <laughs> quite daring, really, I thought. Oh, well, thanks. Most fashion journalists and beauty journalists are relatively safe in the things that they do. I think, yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be down on them about that at all because no. when you are exposed to so many different things, I think other people would be like, why aren't you trying more? But actually navigating your way through so many different ideas or trends or makeup looks, it's quite a nice 
uh, anchor to stay quite true to one look. Yes. You end up wanting to really pare yourself down and not really buy into any of them, which, I mean, I haven't matured to that level yet. Um, well, I think, you know, as I said to a client that wants, sometimes that wants a change for all the wrong reasons, I'm like, buy a new pair of earrings or buy a mm. bag or buy a nice top or something. And I think that if you, when you're surrounded by fashion and beauty constantly being bombarded, first of all, you'd have never be able to take it all yeah. all the time. If you did every single trend, you'd never, you'd ne- with a plex or without a plex, you'd never survive. <laughs> and, you know, you talk about maintenance, which is yeah. what we're always trying to talk to clients about. Oh, can you maintain that? And when you live a busy life, those high maintenance looks are very difficult yeah. to maintain. Yeah, and I do think actually there's loads of hairstylists and salons that in the past few years have been really great with their transparency about communicating to customers how long a look takes how much it costs, how long it will last once you get out of there. Do you have to bleach your entire head to get that colour? Because so many people still don't know that if you have dark brown hair, you can't just dye pink onto it. And that's that's not their no. bad. It's not their job to know. But I think before kind of the boom of hair uh, accounts on Instagram, there wasn't that kind of behind the scenes communication. You had to go to the hairdressers and hope for the best. And they'd say come in for a consultation. But I mean... No one's doing that. Let's be honest. No one's doing that. So I think this kind of transparency. Uh, I, <laughs> Do you disagree? I, I beg to differ. <laughs> I beg to differ. I think as an industry, we're really proud of the fact that we're really getting much better at our consultations and oh, much more in tune with our allergy alert tests. It's and- absolutely not you. You guys have always been good at the consultations. It's us. We're lazy. If I've got a day to come in to get my hair done once every, you know, two months or whatever, you're absolutely not getting me for another day to ha- come in for a consultation. I just... I just don't know anybody that does that. You know, this is why the patch test of doom um, is necessary, but people resent it so much because they're like, you've already got my time another day. (laughs) Yeah, people do resent it. And so Mm. I try not to talk about allergy alert tests in my language when it's to get somebody to come in for a consult because, you know, everyone says I'm not allergic to hair colour. And of course, it is a huge consumer problem. And then it's like, I'm really busy. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, if you just kind of come in and you suddenly want something different and we don't have the time, you're going to be incredibly disappointed yeah. too. So let's just, let's have the chat. Let's, let's plan it all. Oh yeah. Um, and go from there. Definitely a much better way to go. And if anybody speaks to me about wanting a colour change or they're not sure, I think also a lot of consumers don't know that you can go do that for free. Like, I think they think that once they're there, you're having an appointment and you're paying. And I would always say to any of my friends that kind of say, oh, I want to go for a bit of balayage, but I'm not sure. I'm also not sure if they'll do it how I want it. I'm always like, go in and taste test that hair salon. Go and talk to someone who would do your hair. See if they get you. See if they get your vibe. Do you like what they're saying? Do you feel like your taste levels are matching up and you meet mine's? Because I think that's also a massive issue. So, and if you're not going to be, you know, you essentially have to date them. And if you don't think it's right, try another salon. Because there are all different sort of types of salons. And you're not going to get the same thing at different places. I love the fact that you said taste test a salon. I think that is super important. Because I talk a lot again on here, on these podcasts with hairdressers and hair colorists about the fact that we're not all made to do every Mm. single person and there sometimes there just isn't the emotional connection or fit 
or that their taste level is so far away from mm. my taste level that it's like we're never going to be a good pair together anyway because I'm not going to want to do it and she's not going to like what I do Yeah, and vice versa. So I think it's really important that we as an industry communicate that taste test thing much better. I think it's brilliant. I love that. I'm going to use that all the time. You need to pay me, mate. Come in and taste <laughs> test me. Um, <laughs> but... I mean, like, there are some salons I would go to for a blow-dry that I wouldn't go to for colour and the other way around because some places are experts in doing really good quality colour but the rest of their clientele isn't necessarily kind of similar to me so probably the pe- their kind of um, stylists wouldn't necessarily do the blow-dry I'm looking for whereas somewhere else, you know, the stylists are much more sort of my vibe like finish wise but I don't necessarily know that they'll get the quality of hair color I want or you know it kind of works both ways and I think people think they have to go to a hair salon it'd be a one-stop shop and because they're professionals you should trust everything they do and to an extent you should but your taste is important and it needs to be a meeting of minds not one telling the other or either way it shouldn't be us telling you guys, I want this and I've got, you know, there's no flexibility. Or you saying, this is the only thing you can get and this is how I'm going to do it. Because, you know, my friend went to a hairdresser's and asked for a French kind of style girl fringe. And the hairdresser said, oh no, we can only do your full fringe. And she came out and we were like, oh, how did it go? Texting her, how, you know, how does the French girl fringe look? And she said, oh no, he said I couldn't have one. And I was just like, why why did you ask him why because from my opinion of her I'm obviously not a hairstylist but I was like I can see no reason why you couldn't get that cut and she was like oh but he he said I should have a full fringe instead so that's what I got and I'm like but is that what you wanted Mm. and she was like no and I was like right well as soon as he said he couldn't do it unless there was a I think with color there's a much more logical scientific reason why you might not be able to cut color someone's hair but cut i was like apart from him just not really wanting to there was no reason and at that point you should have left (laughs) i think that the you know i think that we should be explained to people if we say no there should be a reason Mm. why as an industry we're saying no to something and there should be an explanation for it I i think that's unfair just to say somebody no yeah i think also i think to never underestimate the polite British. You know, we don't want to have an awkward conversation. We don't want to say, no, actually, I want this. You know, if I say, I want a French girl fringe, and you say no, I don't want to then have to argue with you to get my fringe. I'm probably just going, oh, okay, you're the professional, you know best. Yeah. And, you know, it's that that kind of t- like age-old situation where you have your hair done and they say, do you like it? And you just say, yes because you don't want to say no, because you don't want to be awkward. And I, whenever I speak to someone that's saying, oh, I'm going to get that's my... That's so British though, isn't so it? So British. It's so British. Yeah, and whenever I speak to someone and they say they're going to get their hair done, I'm always like, have a plan. Have you got a photo? Do you know how to describe it? Do you know exactly what you want to look like? You know, talk to that person And I was like, and just be really confident with it. Like, you know, don't back down on what you want unless you say, no, we can't make your hair rainbow in half an hour. But otherwise, go in with what you want and don't be afraid to ask things. Like now, like if I get my hair dried, 
and someone whips out a round brush, I'm like, we're going to be here for absolute days because my hair is so fine and fluffy and that's going to fall out immediately. So immediately I'm just like, rough dry it. Then I'd like a loose wave. Please do the wave with either a big tong or some hair straighteners. And then, and then they'll be like, would you like product? I'm like, pile that hairspray on because my hair will fall. Because <laughs> to an extent... <laughs> To an extent, you know your hair better than anyone else. To, you're on a like blind date, essentially, with a hairstylist, and they don't know your hair, and they don't know where you're going. This is what I always say to, to, to hairdressers mm. when I'm teaching. Listen, let her talk. <laughs> she has 10, 15, 20, 30 years of experience of her mm. hair. She knows she might not have the right language, but figure that piece yeah. out. But she knows the story let her talk about it. It's not It's not a slight on you. It's just, this is what's happened in the past. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it, yeah, it's not a slight on them, but it might be a slight on other kind of hairstylists they've experienced in the past that actually they had unfortunate experiences with yes. and now are sort of asking for what they know works. And I don't ever want to insult a stylist by suggesting they use a hair straightener to wave my hair but I know from my hair texture and from having it done professionally by other people with hair straighteners that's the texture I end up liking so I don't want to waste yeah. their time for 40 minutes doing a round brush hullabaloo when it's just not going to work out and I'm not going to like it and they'll waste their time but I think yeah, it's I hard agree. to feel confident to ask for specific things when you feel like you're talking to a professional in their field and you don't want to patronise or insult them um, and also you still want to be open to new things because I didn't know about waving my hair with straighteners until someone did it. So you sort of still want to be open to someone going, oh, I think this could work. And then I'd be like, OK, fine. Let's give it a go. Yeah. And, uh, but the choice, the choice should be yours in that, shouldn't it? Really, it should be the client's. Your top tips for a hairdresser to communicate with a client as a journalist. OK, has that put you on the spot? I mean, I'm sure I'll think of something. <laughs> um, I think you should ask, like, what their style is. Like, how do they want to look? I always want to look a bit, like, just sort of undone and a bit, like, nothing-y. Or the absolute opposite, and I want to look preened and poker straight and shiny and flicky or something. Like ask kind of what they want to look like because if I say I want some loose waves and you don't know what my style is and I've come to the hair salon in t-shirt and jeans because it's an off day I don't want to leave with bouncing ringlets because that your interpretation of loose wave is entirely different to mine yes you know what I mean yeah so yeah I think it's not always obvious or, you know, I'm sure it's exactly what you already do. Like, I know, like, where are you going? Or like, how long do you need this to last? Because I can have the most wonderful, cool girl, undone waves. And I know a lot of hairstylists don't like to use products or hairspray because it might not have the nicest texture. But I'm getting on the tube in 20 minutes. And as soon as that tube blows through the underground, my hair is going with it. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sweating and flat. And it's just going woof and it's all falling out. And I know my hair falls, so I need more hairspray. But yeah, I mean, yeah, how long do you want it to last? Because it's useful for obviously both of you. Like, if you're dyeing someone's hair pastel pink and they want it to last for two months, everyone's going to be disappointed. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not loads, although... Honest communication, it sounds like to me. Try and figure out what the, the client wants by asking clear questions that the client can understand. Mm. And for the client, the consumer, to ask clearly and to speak up for themselves too. Yeah, and I think you kind of, sometimes you come into a hair salon and they're like, okay, what are we doing today? And you're like, well, my roots have grown out, so I want to colour them in. Or you kind of talk very briefly about the process or the actual colouring or treatment you want. And then that's sort of where it ends. Um, and actually kind of maybe opening that up a bit more to have, you know, more of context because hair doesn't exist on its own. It sits on your face, which sits with your outfit. Which sits with your makeup. Exactly. Like, I had to change my entire wardrobe when I bleached half my head. I didn't change it all, but I changed how I wore things because it felt so much of a statement. Mm. My friend bleached her whole head and I advised her before she did it, by the way, you'll probably have to change your makeup. And she was like, oh, why? And I was like, you don't wear much at all now, but your colouring will change. So you'll probably change the shade of your eyebrows or what lipstick you wear now because it won't quite work with the ones you did before. And I think considering hair as part of a whole package, because I want my hair to reinforce my personal brand. That's an air quote. But you know what I mean? My <laughs> but my whole style, like my shoes would go with my outfit, my hair doesn't exist separately. Um, I want it to suit me, not as in, is it flattering? I want it to suit what style I've chosen. <laughs> Uh, fantastic chats today with you George thank you so much for coming on oh good my audience can find you on Instagram it's under I am G driver it is indeed yes please follow me uh, I can't guarantee good content <laughs> that's because you're too busy in the magazine producing great content yeah I've got a full time job <laughs> thanks for amazing chat and um, so lovely to speak to you today thank you so much you too thanks for having me So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor.com. Hold up. 